feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong well, of you. I've never felt any... Ow! No! Sorry. I'm sure you are. And when I killed you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Every word of what you just said was wrong. Welcome back to our Star Wars trilogy rewrite. Today, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. We have a lot to say about this one. We're going to tear right into this movie. We're going to dig right in. Ryan, would you like to start us off? Yeah, I'll give it a go. Uh, so this movie, um, if you haven't seen it since theaters, which I hadn't seen it since theaters, it's not as bad as you remember, uh, mostly because <laughs> because episode nine came out. <laughs> and uh, when I left the theater, after watching episode eight, I was laughing and I said to myself, that was the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. That's saying a lot. And that is not, it's not the case. It's not the case anymore because no. when I left episode nine, I was laughing even harder and I said, no, okay, that's the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. Oh, I can't wait for that review. That's not to say that there isn't some good stuff in this movie. I, I, there are some things that I really liked and I wish there was more of, but, uh, as far as my dislikes, uh, so I got three major issues. First, thing and you see this right away is that i don't think ryan johnson's that funny <laughs> i don't like his he his his scenarios are like directed at an older audience but then his characters make jokes that are for five-year-olds and you see it right away because in episode seven general hux is literally like a nazi leader and then five minutes into this movie he's a like a telus commercial where he's like can you hear me now <laughs> Can you hear me now? It's like, that guy blew up six planets. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You may as well have just peed in Domino Gleason's face. Yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> just quickly going off that, uh, Alp was talking about that too. I find that this whole comedy, uh, it doesn't fit in, first of all, but it's also like, it feels more like MCU's like Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe type comedy forced into the like. Star Wars franchise. And it works in the MCU, mm -hmm. but it doesn't work here because... The original trilogy doesn't have that. Yeah, I mean, works, quote. Well, works. I mean, as far as success, as whatever determination of success you use that for, or like success whatever. metrics. Yeah, like it is. <laughs> Undermining serious moments. Yeah. The writing is pretty successful. At yes, that. <laughs> and but in the MCU, it kind of just works a little bit better than it does with Star Wars, I find. Right. To double add on to what both of you said, it's almost like Kathleen Kennedy came back from watching, or not Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson came back from watching Ant-Man. He'd be like, <laughs> on this typewriter. You should have just, kept, just recast, <laughs> recast Poe as uh, Michael Pena. That would have been great. No, Poe po will be uh, Rob Schneider. Uh, Adam Sandler Adam as Ray. Adam Sandler as Ray. Oh, man. The second thing is that, so this movie has some pretty strong themes throughout and they really hammer away at those so like there's a super strong theme of hope and a super strong theme of morality and the problem is that the, they sacrifice logic <laughs> to make sure that you realize that there's a morality theme so 
at the end of the first act, Poe is like, we're going to go do this mission and we're just not going to tell Admiral Holdo or whatever. And she has this plan the entire movie and it's just like, I'm not going to tell you because plot. There's no reason. Like, you can say chain of command until you're blue in the face. <laughs> it's never been an issue for eight Star Wars movies. There's never been, I am above you, so I don't have to tell you anything. So why now, just because you have Laura Dern, you just decide to not tell your main one of your main characters anything? Like, Oscar Isaac is wasted in this yeah. movie. He literally runs back and forth in the ship whining about not being able to do anything for two and a half hours. Why is this movie so long? Two and a half hours. Oh, man. <laughs> and on top of that, I think the sequence of events that take place in this movie are in the shortest time period in, like, yeah. in the Star Wars like, world. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, it takes place in, like, eight hours. Like, yeah, within, like, 18 hours or whatever. That's the whole course of the movie. So, Rose and Finn's whole oh. plot, their whole reason for being in this movie is to go find a code breaker to turn off the tracker on the main Star Destroyer, okay? Mm-hmm. So, they spend like an hour of screen time going to Canto Bight and doing all this stuff with Benicio Del Toro, another great character that's just wasted because all of this stuff that they're doing ultimately does not matter at all. And it's just there to be like, oh, there's war. People are making money on both sides. Like It doesn't need to be in the movie because where they go, what they do, nothing is accomplished. They solve it another way an hour later. Yeah, I was... um. I was going to take a quick step back to Poe. Also, like going off that character wasted, Poe has Poe seems to have no concept of consequence. And even at the beginning, his leadership gets his leadership wipes out their entire bombing fleet. And he doesn't seem to understand all the people they just lost because the end goal somehow outweighed all the people they lost. And ultimately, there could have been a different way to do this. But it's pretty psychopathic, the the way he behaves in this movie, in that, and, and like you said, it's very childish. He gets this entire squadron killed. Mm-hmm. He He's basically the catalyst for these guys being stuck on this rebel ship in the way that they are. And then he runs around the whole time crying like a little child about it. And then he tries to do some Avengers-level comedy in the Star Wars universe, which just doesn't fit well. And it's just, it's just weird, because he just doesn't care about all the people that he basically forced into death it was such a like suicide run and he doesn't care then going to rose and finn you're absolutely right benicio del toro's codebreaker completely useless especially because they don't bring him back in the next movie either and the same thing with rose they could have made rose actually have like a redeeming more redeeming arc than what she had in this even though in this her arc wasn't really bad it just didn't fit in this movie it didn't belong here but they just decided to completely scrap these guys and Oh, that Canto Bite, that whole hour of Canto Bite out of this two and a half hour movie. I don't understand what was the necessity. We know there are bad people in this galaxy. We know there are good people in this galaxy. We know there's gamblers. We know there's smugglers. We know there's anti-heroes. What was the point of having all of that in this? It didn't further anything. It just delayed the cool parts. And that's that's why I'm so annoyed with this movie. It's so pointless and i don't get it no. um so yeah i completely agree with the uselessness not the uselessness the misuse of uh, dj benicio's character it's like imagine if uh boba fett just kind of like he was in attack of the clones he survived till the end not boba jango fett survived till the end and then there's no mention of him in episode three or if lando never came back in episode six 
and he just it just kind of left him there it was like the same type deal for me and another thing about the comedy i was almost expecting poe to say shawarma like tony stark <laughs> at the end of the you movie guys ever try shawarma? exactly he's just gonna be like you guys ever try space shawarma it's got some green kitty milk in it <laughs> this whole segment should have been uh, yeah. taken out and put into Rogue One. Maybe then that movie would have had one or two likable <laughs> characters in it. I didn't have as big a problem with Rogue, Rogue One, to no. be honest. Rogue One is kind of Dude, the, the main hero in that movie, she says nothing for an hour, and the other main hero shoots a, a guy with a broken arm in the first five minutes. Yeah. Who am I supposed oh, to yeah. root for? No, I know. I know. They're both drier than like saltine <laughs> cracker. But um, I still feel like Rogue One and solo and this may be a bold statement they did more for the star wars universe than this entire sequel trilogy did and that's that's a little bit yeah. harsh i get that and i'll stand with my statement but the the mishandling of this trilogy and the kind of loss of direction in each film uh, like leading from one film to the other it's just kind of it's a little bit sad and it just it, do, it amounts to ultimately nothing because you started off strong although it was very similar to what Familiar. we already know. You start off very strong, and this is more of an overall comment for this movie. I don't want to crap on Ryan Johnson for trying to go out there because honestly, I do respect it. I do respect him trying to not make this episode five version two because mm -hmm. that's what Force Awakens was. It was episode four version two. I do respect <laughs> him for not doing that. But episode five was the good one. But he also completely tossed out everything that had the kind of star wars charm and he just went too far out there and it's just there's a fine line and i'm not i'm not and by any means like a judge to like determine where that line is but it just didn't feel like star wars after a while in this movie it starts off and like you guys said right at that first jab when they're when they're having telecommunications issues in space when this has never been a problem as and they're having it in this this era of this universe is just it just kind of it doesn't sit well it just doesn't work and i respect him for trying but i feel like there were especially with the amount of money and pressure and constraints that was on this project there could have been a better way to do things and it, it just went this film just goes a complete different way it just doesn't even bother trying to stick to anything else and that that kind of sucks so my last issue um is that this movie's boring <laughs> like there are no action set pieces until an hour and 45 minutes in. I literally paused it and looked at the time code. It's an hour 45, 15. And that's when you have the that fight scene with the in the red. Yeah, the throne oh, room. room. Yeah. yeah. And even on top of that, they, they do a really great job of cutting the crap out of that throne room uh, fight in with like intercutting it with other things that you don't care about. You only want to see the throne room, but they keep plugging other parts mm -hmm. in there too. So... The throne room itself, instead of giving it to you in one glorious heap, it like divides it into like three parts. And mm. it's just annoying because you get pumped up and then right away you're brought to a ship and then you don't care. And then you're coming back there. But then the payoff for the that intercutting is cool with Haldo mm -hmm. and what she does, I think. But I don't know. I just I just would have rather had that fight just in one thing. They kind of tried to drag out those action sequences because there weren't very many action sequences no. in the movie well, yeah that's the thing after once like i remember uh, when i hit that part i watched it today um when it hit the hour 45 when the fight happened i'm like okay i guess we're at the finale then because like this movie can't be any longer but you look at it and there's an hour left there's only 57 minutes yeah. left and then i'm like yeah. what yeah. <laughs> what else is gonna happen so the issue there with all that is that they don't 
they won't have any action sequences for the first hour and 45 minutes because they thought he thought it'd be a good idea to put it on the last hour. And the last hour flies by way faster than the first hour and a bit. Well, because something it actually, actually happens. happens. Yeah. You're just like, all right, so everything you guys have been doing for like the last hour and 45, or you mentioned this, means nothing now. So uh, now why don't, we get, why don't we get the big boys in here and actually wrap this up? <laughs> that's when you start paying attention. I was gonna say that was like that. That was the only redeeming factor for me. Was that like the? It was like the guy was stumbling and tripping and during a race, and then he's at the last ten meters. He's like, okay, I'm gonna finish this. But by that point, it's been like five hours since the last guy finished. So <laughs> you're just so all the way behind here, trying to play catch up. And some of the other some of the other action set pieces they ruin with wonderful dialogue, like "Let's go, Chrome Dome." Are you kidding me? why that was me slapping my knee why i i have a list of cringe dialogue like there's so many things like it's not even just this movie like if uh, in knives out there's a bunch of characters say a bunch of kooky things that they wouldn't regularly say I like know. the police officers in knives out just say like wow that's whack or it's like what are you, are you a police officer what are you why do your characters talk like they're 13 <laughs> there's a, a hole in the donut here like i don't know. oh yeah he does say that there's eh? a hole in this donut <laughs> so stupid like why <laughs> going off that we were talking about that briefly before um but i wanted to talk a little bit more about luke skywalker's character who we watch him in the original trilogy right and he's he's a pretty no-nonsense kind of guy right yeah where he's usually pretty serious at in the first one he's really young right so it's a little bit I want um, to go to Toshi Station. Station and my Yeah, like he's young, right? And then he just doesn't know any better. And then he's kind of immature. But then you see him mature. By the time episode six comes, they just won the war. But this guy's not celebrating. Like yeah. that—that's how serious. Like he is celebrating, but not to the extent everybody else is, because he knows the battle's not over yet. Then we find him here, and the first thing he does when he gets Anakin Skywalker's oh lightsaber, yeah, man. When, oh. yeah, when he gets buddy. that lightsaber, a lightsaber that's important to his father, a lightsaber that has a lot of history, a lightsaber that, for the entirety of this franchise, is is one of the most iconic single pieces where even mm -hmm. if you don't see the blue blade, you, you recognize that handle, that hilt. You know what it is, and he throws it off a cliff. <laughs> and you're just like, it's like, this is not something Luke would do. Like, this is not a Luke Skywalker thing. He calls it a laser sword. Oh, it's fan service. I get it. But he would never call it a laser sword. Come on. And Alp and I briefly discussed this before um, before the call because we both watched The Last Jedi. And, and Ryan did today. We yeah. all watched this the day of. Ugh. When he says, Where are you no, from? One, yeah, no one's from nowhere. And then she's like, Jack Coon is like, that is nowhere. It's like, like, this is not... It's like, buddy, you're from Tatooine. I had to Come pause on. the f movie because my ribs hurt from that line. Like, like, <laughs> I'm like just, I need a second. Man, like, come on. It just, all the all the comedy doesn't belong in this franchise, like, not in the way that it was done. Like, I'm going back to, I don't know if I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but I hate the term subverting expectations <laughs> because people misuse that term to kind of logically or rationalized disappointment to themselves because when people when ign came out with this review saying this is the best star wars movie ever made because it subverted expectations i watched it i'm like it's okay to be mad <laughs> like it's okay to be upset this movie is far from perfect it, it hits a lot of good notes with the wrong instruments <laughs> or it hits the right notes with the wrong like, you, you gotta either way yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get the idea it's, it's half there it's I half mean, there 
They did subvert expectations if your expectation was that the movie would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, why does why is Kylo answer the psychic phone shirtless? Like, why? Why did you have to make him shirtless? That's yeah. the part, because I remember in theaters when I watched that, I burst laughing out loud. And everyone was just looking at me. Like, what the hell is this guy's problem? Like, yo, this guy's shoulders take up the entire... <laughs> We're in a movie it's theater. <laughs> they don't call him Ben Swallow for another. Like, is it, this isn't just me, right? It's so wide. And it sucks because that's that's like one of the coolest parts of the whole movie is them interacting. Like the only redeemable stuff basically in this movie is those two and the the like okay, Crate is a pretty sweet it was sick. set piece, I gotta say. Kylo Ren is way better in this movie than he is in the first one. Way better. Adam Driver gives it in this movie. He did in the first one too, but he's kinda whiny and whatever. But in this one he's he's way cooler. And they're like whole light and dark, they're like, shoot that piece of junk out of the sky. Like that's so sick. It's so good. And he I don't know. We see him as kind of a conflicted, temperamental child in the first one. And that's fine. That's his character. He's a very powerful force user and he's being manipulated on multiple fronts and you get that and it works. It works well. Then in this one, you see him more conflicted, but it's more about if there's any redeemable factor about him. Do you know what I mean? Because he's already, you see his descent and you see him descend even further in this. And you're absolutely right. He does a fantastic job with what he's given. Because he's, al he's always going to be the guy who killed Han Solo. Yeah, no matter, and and on top of that, that's his father too. Like that's that's pretty savage stuff. Well, no, I mean, to, I mean to the audience, Kylo Ren as a character is going to be the guy who killed Han Solo. Naturally, yeah, but Darth Vader was bad, and even uh, Luke didn't kill him. You know, so yeah. what Kylo does is pretty, pretty messed up. So th their conversation touches on morality again with one of the major themes of the movie. Too bad it's only important for part of it. So in the first movie, Ray's wearing basically white the whole time, or like off white, sort of because she represents good the whole time she's just oh i'm the diamond in the rough i'm the jedi i'm gonna save the force in this movie you don't really know if she's dark or dark side or light side that's such a missed opportunity in my my point of view but she actually wears gray a lot mm -hmm. in this movie the whole time she's neutral she doesn't she's not wearing white she's not wearing black so i think that's pretty interesting and again the character whether it pays off in nine or not not knowing whether she's going to be good or bad is it's interesting because luke you basically know the whole time that he is a good guy even though in episode six he, he force chokes gamorians but it's fine true yeah he does do that <laughs> to build on that I, I i know that mark hamill didn't really care for the way luke was portrayed in this mm -hmm. movie and I, some of that can probably be attributed to his really bad dialogue and his his milking of the teeth i i personally um, kind of like that to be honest <laughs> i think of all the the stupid things that luke says and does in this movie i think that was the most mm. sensical one because at least you could see how like far he's progressed down the the slope from last yeah, jedi you, you definitely don't need yeah that where shot, he drinks though. straight up unpasteurized milk from this alien's nipple and it's just Okay, like so you're like so this guy doesn't care at this point. It's about survival, so that's that's fine. I th I think I like that a lot. Anyways, uh, sorry, going back to but his his moment that he has with with Ben Ben Solo when he has the moment where he thinks that he's evil and he turns the lightsaber on. I can believe that in Luke's character because he like he said he chokes pigs, man. He choked pigs out in Episode Six. So him having a, like a, a split second of should I do this? 
I think that's okay. I don't have any problems with that. I no, I, I, I don't. I don't know I don't I don't either. Like, did any of us say no, it, no, or is it just other people? I think people? it was like the general thing. Like Luke would never kill someone, but like it goes back. It kind of like answers a question that someone may have had. If if someone had killed Anakin Skywalker when he was like a pod racing kid, then all this could have been avoided, right? Sebald like you could, like him. like flat out. No, like flat out. Like just <laughs> Jar Jar around the runs him over accidentally with the turb pod racer. The point is, if Anakin had died, that would have spared a lot of people down the. <laughs> And then, so that's probably like the mindset I was getting because, like, it's 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 like the same deal. Like, if you went back in time and you're like the first instinct you saw a baby Hitler, would you kill him? But you're like, no, it's just a harmless baby, right? It's a harmless child. So I completely agree with you in the sense that Luke quit out a second to be like, if I can save the galaxy from like more Darth Vaders, then I'll do it. Then he's like, no, wait, this guy's just a kid. So that that was that was completely fine by me. I I kind of wish, you know, we cut out five minutes of canto bite and actually got <laughs> five minutes of that that night that fateful night where luke skywalker comes in and we see more than just him igniting the lightsaber and the house crumbling i wish we could see a little bit more than that because obviously there's two sides to to a story and there's two sides to a coin and that's again what this movie's all about it's at at its core every star wars film has a theme of hope no matter what all of them has love like love triumphs all we we know that it's it's so ingrained into the star wars code that you don't you don't have to hammer us no, no not just hammer sledgehammer us over the head <laughs> with laser this sword. with this laser sword genuinely you really is don't he good is he bad like we we, we get know. it just by the nature of the characters because most of them most of them are very one-dimensional and it's pretty clear what side they're on minus on honestly besides ray it's usually pretty clear and in this one, what they tried to hammer in on was the neutrality of things, essentially, where it's, you know, both sides have good and bad people, but it's it's always, like I said, two sides to a coin. And I love that. I love that concept, but it's just... It's in a, ba it's in a bad movie. <laughs> when I watched Force Awakens and Rey touches that lightsaber, you see that fateful night when Luke Skywalker puts his hand on R2-D2 and everything is crumbled. The, the world as he knew with his Jedi mm -hmm. Temple crumbled, right? And... That, that was something I was really looking forward to seeing in this movie. And all we see of that is one shot where Ben wakes up to a green lightsaber glowing in his face, being held by Luke. And then we get another shot where Luke looks at his lightsaber later on, right? He looks at his lightsaber, ignites it, looking at Kylo Ren, and then he decides to unignite it. Or he doesn't decide to unignite it, but he decides he's not going to do this. And Ben Solo whips out his lightsaber they have one clash and the building crumbles that's it that's all we get from the hype that was basically built up by that one vision and and that could just be me personally but there was if we had gotten just a three minute segment on that night and kylo ren's escape and the radical knights of ren like how they came into his life if they were other padawans at this mm -hmm. Yeah, he, temple he or walks, not so he takes some padawans with him yeah like so that's that would have been great to see but no we we get to see casinos we get to see mm. a little creature voiced by mark hamill winning gold or like want or interacting with bb8 that's what we get instead i just don't understand they they keep pushing on this two sides of the coin the two sides of the story and then it's just like a little nudge on it where the nudge is constant enough throughout the movie that it's it's a main theme but they don't actually do anything with it and that kind of sucks i get what you're saying but you know what might cheer you up how about an undeserved romance between two characters we don't care about oh my god hey you know what that does cheer me <laughs> which one 
There's there's Poe two and of Finn? those. There's two of those. Oh yeah, Poe and Ray at the end out yeah, of nowhere. There's two of them in this movie. Two sides of the coin, right? Hey. Dude, they got double down on everything. I like the Ray, uh, the Ray Kylo. Because it reminds me of Katara and Zuko. I don't know if anybody watches <laughs> Last Airbender, but that's what I thought of. Um, but yeah, Rose as a character, I'm sorry. She just doesn't need to be in, in here. Like, like okay, Luke's character. I'm going to step back a bit here. Mm-hmm. I, Luke's character kind of like traits. Yeah, like there's, there, he says some cringy stuff, but like his line delivery and like mood all throughout. This brooding, gloomy, like uh, sad sack of uh, blue uh, green milk. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well conveyed for what they're going for. It's something that I noticed the first time, but then you have moments like uh, Rose. <laughs> and the acting is fine. She does a great job as an actor. But then you get this character where you're just confused as to like, what her motive... Like, it just... Nothing really seems to settle with everything that you say. It's almost like they kept rewriting her character throughout every opportunity they got just to fill the character or plot void that that specific scene may have. That's what I thought, at least. I could be wrong with that. Darren, um, yeah, I'm a, I was a little confused by your statement, if I'm being honest. I know, I am too. I'm trying to get to the point, like, Rose, I'll just say this, Rose didn't need to be in the movie. You, you can't hate the person for being in the movie, because, like, you're yeah, like, that's, that's I, that, was, that was ridiculous. I don't just know like, why they would do that. I they know. bullied the wrong person. Like, like, even going back to the initial reviews, everyone's like, this is a leftist agenda. That was, like, something I was looking out for the entire movie, and the only only segment i could uh, think about is when holdo walks up and says this one line which is like yeah the downtrodden oppressed downtrodden and oppressed those three words and i read that like and then that was me reading into it like for like minutes and minutes after that wasn't an issue throughout this entire movie there was no like agenda political agenda or anything at all this this was just a mediocre movie for the first hour and 45 minutes it's generic sci-fi adventure with the complete waste of existence which made my cringe list um let me read it canto blight's existence <laughs> that was on the cringe list for the movie mm-hmm. um <laughs> outside of that the, p- the people who glorify this movie are the kind of people who read way too deep into everything that they can see the people that hate this movie are people who came in expecting something to kind of like similar make sense a, yeah makes sense something remotely cohesive well like but what we got eventually is someone trying to bake a loaf of bread without any flour. Huh. So it's I'm I making know, a crappy patty like, without the I'm, secret. I'm formula. trying to defend it. This had some great, great moments. Like the kind of humor I think was acceptable was when Chewie and the porks. That was like a fun little side bit that you wouldn't really care much about because Chewie got sidelined anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, Kylo Ren destroying the mask. Like even that whole like a little monologue that Luke does with Rey when she's feeling the force except like like the first bit when he slaps her hand I'm just like okay again out of character but then it's just like the whole thing where she says like life death anger and all that stuff that was that I thought that was sick I thought that was great uh Ben Swallow was great like a lot almost all the fight scenes were great too I think but again that's almost all that happens like far after the one hour mark I just (laughs) one big issue I also have is how they did Snoke dirty in this one that was the big elephant. Um, so I don't know if it was just me, but in Force Awakens, we don't really get much of Snoke. And this guy is supposed to be the replacement for Emperor Palpatine. And, you know, you watch the next movie after this one and then you just you really wish, you know, you hadn't. <laughs> but um, general statement in this movie, the the big overall comment i have for this movie is the aesthetic is on point there is a strong strong use of red which has obviously a lot of 
its own meanings like lust desire and above all power it's like it's about fierceness right it's about the desire for power to be something bigger right and you have that in there and it's crazy that throne room just the intense like use of red versus everything else which is you know sleek and gray and mm -hmm. black is incredible it shines and the aesthetic is fantastic but you have this big big bad guy who can who can use the force across the galaxy you know he uses it on hux at the beginning and then and then you finally see him and this guy's supposed to be kylo ren is powerful and we've seen him stop a laser blast before mm -hmm. this guy is at least as far as we know 100 times kylo ren mm -hmm. and then I like I like the trickery that they pull yeah, on him yeah, where no, Kylo yeah. Ren doesn't like Snoke reads everything Kylo that Kylo Ren, Ren is yeah, thinking. Yeah. The problem is he just doesn't see who's on the other end of it. Yeah. And that's great. That says a lot about Kylo Ren's power too, and I love that. But the fact that he dies as the big villain towards the final act of this film, the Power's central film. Yeah, and to me that's just there was so much more that could have been done with this bad guy and then I don't know if it was the point to put him to put someone as unstable as Kylo Ren in charge of this military force, but it didn't sit well with me. The death was very jarring, and I thought it was you know this, there's no way that this happened, uh, right? Yeah, he's on, it yeah. did happen. There was a very bad cover up in the next one, but it's just <laughs> insane that they kill off this mega bad guy with such minimal screen time. We see the guy bounce lightning off the ground. In the beginning too early on when he's talking with kylo ren he literally he, that's how much mastery this guy has of the force before that lightning just goes into the guy is attracted to the lightsaber or whatever metal this man controls the lightning bounces it off the ground and hits kylo ren with it at the beginning this guy is on a whole other level of the force and then he gets killed right before the final act like it's nothing even the praetorian guards that are around I wish they were more prominent too rather than just standing guard in Snoke's room. And we also, this is a big thing that I was disappointed with when I was looking through the art books of The Last Jedi and whatnot. There's this massive magnifying glass in Snoke's throne room mm -hmm. that, that barely gets any attention. Yeah. But there's this whole other, I believe they're mystical force wielding beings similar to like in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about Dathomir, you know they have like these night sisters yeah, that are yeah, like yeah. witches that use the force in different ways. But these guys are these very mysterious figures that use this magnifying glass and they watch everything, they're observers. And you don't see that at all. You see one attendant in, in the background in the beginning when you first see, I believe, Snoke's throne room, and then you never see them again. It's just one figure there in the background, completely gone, completely wasted. This leads me all to the big thing is that this movie tries to also dive into the mysticism of the force and it is too afraid to commit to it and it just mm -hmm. and it just makes it feel cheap you see ray go and snap snap with herself she makes a beat with herself that scene sucks and it's oh, so man. it's so pointless <laughs> she self narrates it's so jarring like it's, why <laughs> i just don't understand it's you try and go into the mysticism of this thing which the shows do a lot better of a job in like yeah, 30 yeah, minute episodes yeah, yeah. right but you don't commit to it. He's trying to replicate the cave from Dagobah, right? He yeah. is, and I get that. But it's just, that cave had such a big, in Dagobah, Luke Skywalker cuts off Darth Vader's head, and what he fears most is that he is Darth Vader. Do yeah. you know what I mean? That there is a bit of Vader in him. And that that's very poetic, that's a lot of things. <laughs> what do we get from Rey? She looks at herself, 
she sees multiple versions of herself and then that's it that's literally yeah. it that scene perfectly encapsulates encapsulates the movie though you like it you're, does. like you're drawn it really in does. you see that and like the scene carries out i think it's only like five minutes but it feels like you're watching this for almost like 22 minutes to half an hour and then at the end your question doesn't get answered and you're left exactly where you started and you're like oh okay. <laughs> it just, it's, it's just a waste of time and it's I think it's trying to hammer in on that concept that, again, it's multiple sides to everything, and you know, not everything is as special as you might think. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, why, why am I watching a galactic movie about the mundane? Then I don't <laughs> care about the mundane. Like I don't, I don't. Why do I? If I wanted to do this, I'll watch a whole like three-hour stream of Uncle you know, Owen like, on a moisture farm. Like I, nice. I don't you care. brought up a really good point because a lot of people did not like the Phantom Menace because it was so mundane. Like it's oh. it's text crawl literally had. What, what was it? Fed, Trade Federation tax embargo or whatever, <laughs> um, <laughs> blockade. And then and then you're just thinking there. I'm like, if if that's unacceptable, then because it's boring, why the why the hell was that acceptable? What you said, like the money. <laughs> no, but like that's the thing. I'm like, I'm watching a Star Wars movie to to get away from the mundane. Yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> and sure, you know, the mundane in the Star Wars universe might be a little bit more extraordinary than the mundane here on planet Earth, but. Mon but come on, like I'm. I don't want this to be taking up so much time in this three-hour movie. <laughs> like for God's sake, man. I'm just gonna pop back quick to uh, <sighs> your talk about the little keepers in the background. Yeah. There, um, I'm gonna disagree with you. Oh yeah. Because I do not want to have to read a comic or watch a show to understand something in a movie. That's a good point. What do you mean? Case in point. Case in point. Um, they have. There's a huge impact with Han's dice in this movie where like Luke takes them and gives them to Leia and there's this whole moment um, we've never seen those dice before and yeah that's that's a good point you only see it in the movies like they're not a prominent thing why do I have to read a bunch of books to watch your sci-fi space opera no no I'm not saying that you should watch the show to get that I'm just saying the show does a great job of describing the force and the mysticism of the force in 30 minute episodes no no no, that's not what i'm talking about talking about the watcher the key oh yeah. i'm talking about your your little jawas in the background there I, I, I don't i don't think they didn't matter and i don't really need a bunch of fan service in a movie that's already too long i see what you're saying to me it would have been more expanding the force because up to this point the force is more of a plot hole fixer essentially or it's kind of like a fail safe that's not how the force it's, works but it is it Carry kind of is right so that's why i'm just like if if we we're going to go into the mysticism of it we could have spent again five minutes less on canto bite and gone into or we, let's say we spent 10 minutes less on canto bite <laughs> we got to see a little bit more of ray's experience in whatever the hell that was that wasn't pointless we got a little more info on the mysticism of the force rather than it just being, you know, I use the force to fix this problem. It's like, oh, ah, okay, I guess. And if we were going to dive into mysticism, we should have committed, especially now more than ever, because we dove into the standard, you know, realm of the force in the original trilogy. Then we moved into mm -hmm. politics and the force. force yeah. And then now we could have moved into the mysticism. And racism. <laughs> we hit we hit the wrong notes in races for racism in the prequels, but uh, we still hit those notes though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just before we move on, I am gonna pop back one more time to that throne room because it's like the only scene in the movie that deserves to be spoken about. Mm -hmm. um, you said you liked the trickery. I did. 
Kylo. I hated that. How come? This guy can make people speak to each other without them wanting to in different galaxies, but he doesn't have the peripheral vision to see him turning a tube that's right next to him. That mm. is so stupid. I literally heard the Curb Your Enthusiasm music happen <laughs> after that lightsaber turned on. Like, oh my god. Like... This guy's supposed to be all powerful, and he's like you're wasting Andy Circus just like you wasted uh, Brienne of Tarth. Like. Yeah, I don't. Um, I really again wish he wouldn't have died. But the way I'm seeing it is that we know how powerful Kylo Ren is. We know how powerful Snoke is, and in that moment, Snoke lets the his confidence get the better of him because he also, if you notice, for a lot of that scene, his eyes are closed and he's leaning forward, and then he opens his eyes. So the lightsaber is it's like behind his arm. Like there's no way that. He can see it. I think it was but behind his arm. It was no. It was like right next to it. Like if he has eye closed. It, does, it doesn't matter. That shouldn't matter, man. Like For you me, can feel is, where a lightsaber is. So hard. Focusing so hard on what narrating everything that's happening because Ryan Johnson doesn't let me experience He's it for myself. Looking like, into Kylo Ren. Even head. now, he turns the lightsaber yeah. and, to. And oh and my to me, god! Why? Why do you? I'm not six years old, man. Like I can see what's happening. I still <laughs> think it's cool because Kylo Ren is able to deceive him because he only shows snoke what he wants to see he doesn't show who's on the other end of that and i think that's really cool it comes across to me as ah. your big bad guy being Ugh. the butt end of a joke i agree with two you. sides of a coin that's all that's i see it i agree with both of you but i think something that we can all agree on is that the praetorian guards got more screen time than the knights of <laughs> ren oh well yeah the knights of ren got zero <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i meant like uh in relativity to rise of skywalker oh well definitely yeah like i felt like those red dudes were a bigger threat than the entirety they of were the so badass they were bad that I whole wish we scene saw was, more of them. that fight seems badass the crate scenes were badass but like everything else the other uh two hours of it <laughs> we're just kind of like i i guess the last big thing i guess for the review that we need to talk about is leia and oh what yeah. they did with leia jerry that's not how the force works as she's flying back into the ship it was a, again another one of those fine lines leia gets sucked out into the vacuum of space Dead. if she died there that would have been a little bit depressing that's, been, yeah, that's we just been doing about that yeah that would have been like it just sweeping a character ren under the, pulled the trigger right it was just another guy I'm not quite sure. I thought I Kylo Ren, he was like hesitant that someone else shot before he did. I, it might be, right? If it saved us from seeing that stupid shot of her being Mary Poppins, though. Exactly what I was going to say. say yeah. I, it's so stupid looking. Oh, man. Like, it makes I just I just think of uh, Michael Rooker, like, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. That's yeah. all I think of. <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I don't think we've ever had it, and I don't know if we'll have it again, where the actress for a character actually dies before the movie is released. And then in the movie, the character seemingly dies. And as an audience, especially seeing it in theaters, we kind of accept, yes, the actress is gone. So the character will mm -hmm. also be gone. But then she comes back to life and you're like, what are they going to do for nine? Like, I, I, I hope this isn't straying too far from the topic of episode no. eight. But I remember reading an article where uh, they said, <laughs> where JJ said to like kind of, what's the word, to make sure that Carrie Fisher was in episode nine he said we have what we need to put her in there <laughs> and I, at the moment i heard that i'm like that's a big old red flag <laughs> because it's a bunch it seemed like even okay you know what no that's going into rise of skywalker territory we're, no, we're gonna go well, back i was gonna say like every it would have been like a fitting end if she had died in the movie if oh, fine we'll we'll look past the mary poppins thing if she died on crate or something like that I think that's a good point you bring up, Ryan, because obviously with her gone, then we kind of accept that. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. 
And my big issue with the movie, though, is that the story dedicates time to set up Haldo to be the person to take over. And then they sacrifice Haldo instead of Leia in this grand gesture that kills the fleet. <laughs> Was there no droid that could fly that ship? Or on top of that, Yay. couldn't Leia have done that? No, do you no, know what I mean? Well, that would have been such a Princess Leia thing the, to do, though, because she's always been selfless for more or less, right? No, like, there's even a good line they say where Leia's like, uh, hope, like, you hope you can't look at hope like the sun where like it only exists when you see it kind of deal so like it would it's like it's almost setting up for it to pass. yeah you won't you won't yeah, survive exactly. the night i would have liked more between those two because they have like two lines of dialogue together and it's awesome like they yeah, say exactly. may the force be with you at the same time and it's like oh they're old friends it's great too bad we'll never yeah. see any more of that let's let's talk to rose and finn instead i don't, like, I don't <laughs> understand why you've set that character up just to kill them because they really do set up Haldo no, to become yeah, the next Leia. Yeah. And and they do and that's not even me reading too much into it. Even on this watch through, it's no, like she's it's... second in the chain of command. She does that's what Leia would do. She is literally supposed to be the next version of her. And then they instead kill her instead of Leia. And then they kill off Leia. I think the way Leia dies in episode nine is even worse than getting sucked into space. Do you know what I mean? She just collapses. I'm Mary Poppins, yo. <laughs> It's just like, damn, man, like, I don't get it. Why there's so many calls where you had a 50-50 chance if you picked one thing over the other. Like, there was one probably decent thing and one probably not decent thing. And they still went with the non-decent thing. And it's just it's just odd why, especially with a big budget project like this, like, that shouldn't be happening. Do you know what I mean? No, like, if a line leaves a bad taste not only in, like, the actor's mouth or their, in, like, the ears of anyone else, such as, here's my favorite one, the last thing that Rose says before she seemingly not dies we uh, i think oh, i get the proper anyways the point is she says something like we fight for the things we love and then gives yeah. a kiss and then i'm just like i mean if you if you if you can't tell over the audio but i'm like kind of like wiping my tongue to get that scum out of there <laughs> because it just it doesn't land and the moments ryan mentioned the moments where you do get like this genuine like chemistry between actors and characters it's just like no no, every time something good happens in this movie, something that you start getting interested in and invested in, some horse shit happens literally instantly after that pulls you out just to remind you, oh yeah, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Nobody likes this for a reason. I like it. I like this movie. Well, there's no there's no setup to that no. at all. Like there's no usually there's like a moment or something, like characters like share a moment i guess they share like the you're a hero and my sister died or whatever but you don't see any she stun guns him after that so you don't really see any romance yeah. brewing there besides that they also like when he's just coming back from the sun they finish each other's sentences which you're like okay is this is where this is going because to me finn was supposed to be with ray yeah that's the they way set it up in the first one that yeah. that's the way it's set up yeah so i just i don't i don't get why I introduce this new love interest but ultimately end up having her kind of meaningless like the character also i also would not want finn to have been sacrificed in in the last jedi but if it meant like completely throwing him in the garbage in rise of skywalker i would have rather had him die in last jedi than the way he got treated in rise of skywalker. that's exactly that's like word by word in my notes too i'm like because in a post rise of skywalker world finn should have died um general leia should have died too <laughs> kill off Poe at this point too like, <laughs> it wasn't doing anything anyway just to save us from hearing they fly now so in my cringe list of stuff that happened in this movie one of my first points is literally anything Poe does 
because no matter what he does, no matter what he says, it's just it's just wrong. It doesn't fit in with the movie, and it feels unwarranted as his character. Right? Like he has he has weird lines at the beginning of Force Awakens too, when Kylo Ren kneels yeah. down and goes, "Oh, do I talk? You talk." It's like, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of, uh, but you're talking to Hitler at the beginning of this movie. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? It's like, oh my god, it's so bad. Like, come on. Completely random thing that just came to mind. How much goddamn power do Force ghosts have in this universe? Because Yoda flashes lightning onto yes. that tree and burns it. I'm like, if you guys can do that, how many dead generations of Jedi are there that could just strike down a goddamn ship? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I like yeah. Empire Yoda. See, yeah, yeah, that is really cool. And not, yeah, that, that was not prequel Yoda. Yeah, I like, I like that Frank that's Oz kind of, coming back. He's like, that's good. No, um, I'm okay that's with something it. Something I want to bring up too. Like I really like what they did with Yoda, and like even even the last lines that Yoda says were like so much more meaningful and impactful than like pretty much anything that Luke says throughout <laughs> the entire movie. He's just like the last line Yoda says is like the worst part about being a master is you see them supersede you, right? And then I'm just like I watch that I'm like, wow, why do we have Luke anymore? Why didn't the Force Ghost of Yoda just do everything since he was listening the entire f-ing time? <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, I get, I, I'm accepting the fact that people, like, well, not people, people who make Star Wars movies are going to use the Force as plot hole flex tape. That's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. I don't have the money to change that. That's a lot of damage. <laughs> exactly. Like this movie did to the franchise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, well, I'm not wrong. Like, they canceled all the spinoffs. Like, literally everything went up in the air. Remember there was supposed to be a Boba Fett movie too? There was supposed mm-hmm. to be an entire oh, trilogy for Ryan Johnson, Johnson but I don't know if that's still happening. It's Revan trilogy. That oh. would have been... I, I think if it not, was not an entire different writing. trilogy, maybe, but... Not with his writing. I, I don't know. I feel like yeah. if you're going to give an entire trilogy to someone, it's either George Lucas or no one, and even George no, Lucas Filoni. had his issues, right? You give it to Dave Filoni. Yeah. But I don't think Filoni wants that. Wait, no, he doesn't. Honestly, this whole trilogy should have been given to J.J., man. He was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want the pressure. It's like, well, look what you did, J.J. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's either all three of them have to be different or all three of them have to be by the same person. But yeah. when you do this, it just doesn't work unless everyone's on the same page. Like... And they're not. It's very rarely, especially in the film industry, oh, no God, one's no. on the no, same no. page. Like it's obvious in this movie. There's the less, the least corporates. I think uh, the least corporate meddling in this movie. Yeah, he complained about having too much freedom. Yeah, they allowed yeah. him to make too many mistakes. Did he actually complain about too much freedom? Which is hilarious because if you're a filmmaker, <laughs> why are you complaining about too much freedom? With, like, with a project like Star with Wars, a especially Star Wars, like everything's like laid out for you. Oh, I did not know oh, that. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know if he complained, but he did mention that, that he didn't really have a lot of restrictions. Wow. That's and, then, and then, and then Rise of Skywalker. JJ like ahead. couldn't breathe without like a corporate guy saying he could. No, you can't do that. <laughs> mm, like, tip oh. mill, casino planet. <laughs> I remember watching it for the first time. Snapping. We were at Canto Blight. Canto Bite. I don't even I can't even yeah. see the planet, right? I remember watching it, and it felt like I forgot I was watching a Star Wars movie, and not for a good, a good reason of like immersion or whatever. It's for the bad reason of, okay, this is just generic sci-fi at this point. This is now Star yeah, Wars horse races. No, it's not even Star Wars. It's like, this is Battlestar Valorant Galactica. It's like, what? Well, hold Star on. Trek. <laughs> now you're throwing shots at other sci-fi projects. You leave, you okay, leave Edward okay, James okay, almost out of it. What I'm trying to say is it blended up a lot of like pre-existing tropes or something that someone else already did better somewhere else. And they tried to put it into Star Wars and kind of 
jam it in there, like trying to jam a jar of mayonnaise into a toaster. It just kind of ended up like. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> you got broken glass, burnt mayonnaise, and a destroyed toaster. Trying to jam a peanut butter toast into a window. <laughs> it, it just didn't work. I'm not. I'm not saying any of those other three movies were bad or generic. It just like it kind of took pieces of them that didn't really fit well together, like building a pogo stick. Uh, not po- a popsicle stick sculpture, but not having popsicle sticks and using toothpicks and the ma- mayonnaise you just burnt on that toaster. You have some <laughs> wow. very strange. Uh, That's quite the, quite the quite the metaphor. I have to give Ryan Johnson a lot of credit for Luke's last scene, yes, and I'll tell yes. you why. At the end of A New Hope, the last shot is Luke Skywalker looking frame left to frame right at Tatooine's two sons. Mm-hmm. And it plays his theme music yeah. in the back. And he's looking forward. Like, uh, cinematically, when characters are looking left to right, they're looking to the future. Yeah. Okay? So he's looking forward. There's hope. The music plays. It's great. And then you get the... It's amazing. It's great. His last scene in this movie, he's looking frame right yeah. to frame left at the sun, reflecting back on his life before he dies. And that is genius. That scene is incredible. It plays the same theme music, and he slowly fades away, and I love that. I thought that so was that extremely very, well done. Very nicely just something crafted. to add on to that, when he looked right, it looked like the sun was getting, uh, like, when he looked to his future, the sun was getting covered in clouds, but when he looked uh, back to his it past, was clear. the two suns were there, and there was no clouds at all. And then I just, I noticed that, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, that was, Amazing. Really, it was a tearjerker. It was a tearjerker. Amazing. Sure. <laughs> it's like, why... Why do you give me that in this movie? movie (laughs) Come on. The line. Put a towel on. (laughs) To stop Ben Swolo from jumping. Can you put a towel on? (laughs) This is from a Star Wars movie. (laughs) Again, there's nuggets of incredible, like cinematic, masterfully crafted shots for sure. The problem is they're nuggets, and the problem is is that the rest of the movie, it's it's like you're searching for gold in a coal mine you can't it it's just not the way things work and it just sucks that you have to search for that in this movie and when you find it it's great the throne room scene luke's ending that sort of stuff is fantastic but but there's so much that comes before that and that literally floods every other minute of this movie that you're just you can't help but wonder the big question again like when we're going back to the lion king why Makes you want to lick the case and go. So that's it. That's also in my. Life. I, you know what? I said that. I put that yeah. in my list of things I liked about the movie. <laughs> I did not mind. Crate. I didn't. Crate was cool. They kind of bonked you over the head. They're like, "This is a salt planet." See, the guy said it. It's like, listen, Whoa. it's Hoth, guys. Come on, we see that it's Hoth. It looks exactly like Hoth. He walks through the tunnels like Darth Vader walked through on Hoth. There's ice foxes like Tauntauns, like on Hoth. You're in a mine like you were in a warehouse, like on Hoth. There's AT-ATs that look like gorillas. Like on Hoth, it's the same planet. It just is a lot cooler because you have the white and red. That was my next point. It's gonna be like that's a, it's it's very similar. The way this ends is very similar to how the Empire Strikes Back starts. Yeah, that's one. That was my last point to make because it, it, it's really Hoth. It's probably just Hoth paying too. homage yeah. to that. To be honest, he was. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. Except like what would have happened, I guess, if 
Luke came out and got blasted to shit. I did like that he didn't leave any footprints. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty sweet. He's he's dressed like uh he's dressed like Empire Luke when he comes out with his hair and his robes. Hell yeah. And then yeah. he's like even C three notices that he's not really there. Still a little confused about when Jedi's die and then they just their clothes flop to the ground because for the first time ever today when I was watching I was like damn like what if Obi Wan was a Force projection this whole time but you know in A New Hope but he actually fights Darth Vader but that would have been something cool to mess around with I don't understand why when they die there the ropes still stay there unless you're qui-gon and they burn you <laughs> Where's the line george drawn? just forgot i, I guess Good point. but when when that was happening i was like damn like what if this whole time ben kenobi was actually a force projection and you know darth vader was just predicting where ben was going to move his lightsaber so he just moved it there but that was actual like interaction mm -hmm. i forgot that he disappears but his robes stay no i was gonna say uh kenobi was saving all his force projection powers to uh, let Luke know that he made out with his sister. He projects into Han's room with uh, his, his hands behind his head, like, Ugh. like he does when he kisses Leia. Point five. <laughs> Who's scruffy looking? Carrie never let me kiss her brother. Uh, had to get a, had to get at least one in. <laughs> it just took me a second to realize um. what. He said. <laughs> one last last thing: the epilogue, the way it was shot in film. I literally thought I was watching like a toy commercial for Star Wars. Like when the kid, like he has his broom and he looks down and he, like he, he moves the oh. ring or whatever. It's like, buy your new rebel <laughs> ring. Decoder ring. Starfighter in the distance, fly away. <laughs> Just like available now as a promotional art item for, I don't know, the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones or something. Also, that kid just uses the Force, and then we're just not going to talk yeah, about that ever again. The message oh. is like, anyone could use the Force, but you're like, Okay, uh, can I go home now? We've been here for two hours. I don't really care. Anyone Three can hours. use the force like this untrained kid who's <laughs> just a slave. Yippee! I'll try sweeping. That's a good trick. Okay, one last thing I have. Well, not one last thing. Something I want to add. What did you guys think about Luke kind of dusting his shoulder off after that? Like, uh, It's it's I, not I felt... earned. It's not. He's an old man. Exactly. He's an old man. Like Him talking to Yoda is great. It's great. It sounds just like a conversation that they would have. It's fine. But then he drinks tit milk. You're like <laughs> his final words. Yeah. George Lucas wants to know your location. <laughs> Poor Mark. Poor Mark Hamill, man. Yeah, like, he was actually very, from what I remember, very openly bashing the movie. He was vocal, yeah. bro. He was like, "This movie sucks. Here's why." <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. And then later on, he's just like, "You he know what? Maybe apologize. I was a little bit too harsh." I was like, "No, I don't think you." No, were. he had to apologize. <laughs> it looks bad on everyone. <laughs> I mean, it's true though. It is. It is. He, he was being honest, but sometimes he can't be honest, you know. Uh, so if this, if if a one was like a Kylo Ren's shoulders, and a ten was snapping in the darkness of a pit, I give this movie uh, salt. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. I'm a. Uh... I think personally, I'm I'm still not the biggest fan of this movie. I think I appreciate this movie a little bit more just because when when you see worse, you're a little bit more thankful for what you <laughs> get. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to give this movie three whole dirty pails of unpasteurized <laughs> alien milk out of an entire family tree of dead porgs being eaten by Chewbacca in front of the wow. last surviving member of the family. Nice. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's fair. Uh, all right. 
I give it okay. You got you only hit one of the two I had. Uh, I give it sixteen misused characters out of forty-five, <laughs> or sixteen halves of Supreme Leader Snoke wow. out of forty-five. Oh. It may as well have just been like a little slide whistle when the lightsaber goes and goes. And then he Uh-oh. falls off. Hope you enjoyed that. And then, like, when he falls over, it's like boing. <laughs> <laughs> or it's bonk. bonk. <laughs> bonk. It's like bonk. <laughs> I'll start by saying I'm not as deep into this as you two are. Uh, I was <laughs> more into Star Wars when the prequel trilogy came out because I was kind of the the demographic that was it was kind of aimed towards. But as far as current, I haven't seen Rebels. I haven't seen Clone Wars, any of that stuff. I kind of just went off of my own kind of memories. And yeah, so basically Jar Jar is every character. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. I was going to say he euphemistically just called us <laughs> nerds. Oh yeah, well, it's all right. I mean, I'm not gonna disagree with. He's them. just like, like I'm not too deep. I'm not a loser like you two are. That's right. That's right. We'll dive into this here. Okay, so uh, it's been a year since the end of Force Awakens, and uh, the title crawl explains that Rey has been uh, training in secret with Leia in one of the ancient Jedi temples, Ooh. and it also explains that the power vacuum has been filled by Supreme Leader Snoke, so he is back in black, and he is with General Hux. Uh, it explains that Finn has recovered well, but he refused the construction of an additional arm because, thanks, Alp, you chopped Finn's arm off for me. Um, he blames his own carelessness for the loss because uh, he was getting mad and he got beat. So uh, he's been training with his offhand with the help of Rose. I didn't cut her out. We'll actually keep her in the movie. Nice. Uh, and she's like a space physiotherapist. She's not like... <laughs> she's not... I don't even remember what she is in like Last Jedi. She's just like, I'm watching the escape pods. Like That's her job. So in this, she actually has... A job um but no sister because it's fine uh so poe dameron and bb-8 have been visiting the sith temples on the map to luke skywalker hoping to find out his whereabouts that's all in the title crawl so then so we join poe and bb-8 as they walk through the tattered ruins on a sith temple on the planet Boloroku, which is a planet i made up to avoid having to do a bunch of research into sith planets nice fair enough <clears throat> Uh, so they marvel at the ceiling full of carvings of ancient Sith Lords like Darth Bane, and the carvings Ooh. always show the Sith in pairs. So Poe recounts the rule of two to BB-8 and explains to him that, like, and the audience mostly, that uh, <laughs> uh, he's learned a lot over the course, like, the time between uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So we, they enter a large chamber at the back of the temple, and on the wall is a, a star chart carved into the rock. And Poe recognizes previous planets with temples on it that he's already visited, and one that he hasn't. So he takes notes of the positioning of that planet and turns to leave, but uh, there's a jump scare by a oh. figure <laughs> in a dark gray cloak. So Poe jumps back and has a little bit of comic relief, because Oscar Isaac is good at that. Uh, and he tries to draw his blaster pistol, but his hand gets frozen in place. So the figure's face is covered in shadow, but he extends a robotic hand and force lifts Poe into the center of the room, into the air. So BB-8 chirps like, like does his own little panicking thing. <laughs> and Luke Skywalker's voice booms to the chamber and says, do not search for me. Oh. So Poe struggles to say Luke, and as, as quick as the vision appears, it's gone, dropping Poe onto the floor. And Poe and BB-8 share a glance before a uh, diagonal wipe gets them back to their ship. Hey, hey, hey. there it is. <laughs> so Leia is training with Rey on the Republic fleet with a stoic Finn watching nearby. Rey does a number of cartwheels and flips and cool stuff while blocking shots from a little robot from uh, New Hope, just to give the fans something to kind of go, oh, that thing. <laughs> uh, 
Finn stands and starts to leave when he's approached by Rose, who tells him that he could move like that if he would accept the new robot arm and the medical team from the medical team and uh, he kind of shrugs her off and walks past all angsty and emo because it's the second <laughs> movie and we have to have a character arc. It's dark. <laughs> uh, Leia and Ray share a happy conversation about how her training is coming along and they're interrupted by Admiral Holdo who's in distress. Holdo explains that they've received a message from the First Order run by Snoke uh, and he's threatened to destroy the Galactic Senate if the Resistance does not disclose the location of Luke. So they, we kind of have come back around to the, the plot from the middle of Force Awakens just to kind of give... Um, the First Order a bit of menace to them. Yeah. So Leia runs with Holdo to the address uh, to address the issue on the bridge, and Ray returns to her room and sits in the bed. She looks across the room and she sees Kylo Ren, in effect mirroring the Last Jedi one, because I thought that was cool and I wanted to put it in my own. Uh, she stands and sparks her lightsaber, but Kylo does not react. He explains to her that the First Order is not bluffing and will actually destroy the Galactic Senate. So Ray's hesitant at first to believe him, but he tells her that Snoke is trying to bring imbalance to the galaxy and lead it in darkness, yada yada, bad guy for, you know, to, to bad guy being bad because bad. Ray tells him that they don't know where Luke is, but Kylo is confident that she will know soon enough. And there's a knock on the door for some dramatic timing, and Ray turns as the door opens to reveal Finn in Poe's jacket, because that is cute. We're keeping that. Beautiful. Okay. So nice. She looks back and Kylo is gone, and Finn tells her that Poe is back and they go to see him. So Poe's on the bridge with BB 8, Leia, Holdo, and various other crew members for um, fun cameos or whatever. He explains to her where Luke Skywalker is, so Kylo was like, You're going to know soon enough, and knock knock. Haha, here you go. Here's the information. <laughs> um, and he believes the planet. It, <laughs> he believes that the planet is, uh, is Exegol. So. Um, Leia doesn't want to go there because um, it's scary uh, and explains, especially now that the First Order is going to destroy the Senate, but Holdo insists that Luke could turn the tide of the war in their favor and Leia agrees to head to Exegol and the meeting is over. So Ray heads back to her chamber and the door opens to reveal Kylo standing there, maybe shirtless this time. And he tells her that the atmosphere around Exegol is too dangerous to navigate because it's all shocky, shocky lightning. Uh, they're going to need a ship specifically designed to deal with the lightning because that's a plot point and it's going to bring characters to certain places. Uh, he says he knows of a ship that can fight the lightning uh, on Canto Bight and he says to go there. We're going to keep Canto Bight in because it's a cool planet despite it being in a dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> so she dismisses him and closes the door thinking uh, to herself for a moment before going to look for Poe and Finn. General Hux of the First Order meets with Supreme Leader Snoke, shown in a hologram, and Snoke explains to Hux, but mostly the audience, that the threat to the Senate is real, and even if the Resistance doesn't give them the location, uh, they, the destruction will continue until they do, um, whether it's uh, more Senate uh, planets or more Alderons, that kind of thing. So, Rey meets with Poe and Finn to tell them that she's worried about the ships not being able to navigate through mm -hmm. the shocky shocky plot device, and Poe shares her concern. He tells her that the his encounter with the Hooded figure, which he did not disclose to Leia and Holdo, where he was like, got choked by Luke, he didn't tell anybody about it. So Finn questions whether they should head to Exegol if there's dangerous lightning, <laughs> shocky shocky plot stuff, and Luke doesn't want to be found. So, Luke basically told Poe not to go. And Poe's like, maybe we shouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so Poe and Finn share a concerned glance uh, because we need to have them sharing looks early on in the movie. Ray entrusts Poe and Finn with traveling to Canto Bight to find the ship that can traverse through the plot. Uh, lightning, sorry. 
<laughs> so Poe and Finn are about to board a ship to head to Canto Bight when they're caught up to by Rose, who says that she overheard their conversation and that she should go with them to help out Finn because he's only got one arm and she's a doctor or whatever. Finn refuses outright and tells her that he doesn't need anyone's help because that's his character now. Um, they board the ship and she boards in secret. So on their way to Canto Bight, Poe tells Finn that there's no shame in letting others help him and that Han's death wasn't his fault. Finn looks at his vacant shoulder and doesn't say anything because <laughs> that's his character now. <laughs> Emo. General Hux contacts the Resistance and demands the location of Luke. Leia refuses and disconnects the communications. In the same instant, the ship goes dark and a projection of Snoke appears on the central console. He stares at Leia and asks her if she wants to be accountable for the deaths of millions. Leia calmly tells him that she doesn't know where Luke is, and Snoke and Leia share a beat glaring at each other before Snoke finally says, General Hux, you may fire when ready, and disappears. So Hux does his whole uh, Hitler speech from Force Awakens <laughs> and uh, Starkiller Base fires on the Galactic Senate uh, and we see the giant mega death laser from multiple viewpoints. So uh, Poe, Finn, Rose, Leia, and Rey, and then Snoke. We see, the, we see the laser from all those different viewpoints, like Poe and Finn in the ship, Rose hidden on the ship, Leia from the command point, uh, Rey in her chamber, and then Snoke, uh, just his eyes, a reveal of his eyes, not as a hologram, uh, smiling before the silence and the laser decimates all the planets, including Coruscant, because we brought that planet back in oh, <laughs> The Force Awakens. Right, apparently. Yeah. Now it actually matters. <laughs> so Leia physically recoils and passes out, and she gets tended to by uh, Admiral Holdo. Um, so we get a bunch of sadness and sad music as everyone thinks that everybody's lost. Um, and then we catch up with Poe and Finn as they arrive on Canto Bight, physically shaken up by what they saw, and they begin to look for the ship that can withstand the plot uh, lightning. <laughs> So they search the casino and ask around. Uh, a shady figure contacts the First Order and informs them that Poe and Finn are on Canto Bight. Kind of like, I think that happens in The Last Jedi too. There's like a girl with like a green yeah. hat that tells people that they're there. Um, so Poe and Finn find Benicio Del Toro uh, and ask him about his ship. Uh, and he refuses to go with them because he was expecting a girl named Rey because he got tipped off by Kylo Ren. So Rose approaches and claims to be Rey. Benicio was hesitant at first, but agrees to go with them. He brings them to the ship that cannot die from the lightning, and they leave the planet. In the atmosphere, however, they're taken in by the First Order. So Rey is in Leia's room uh, at her bedside when she's contacted by Kylo. He tells her that her friends have been taken by the First Order. She approaches Holdo and tells her that they must go to get Poe and Finn back. They're only there because she told them to go, and she feels really bad. Um, Holdo tells her that she can't go alone. It's too dangerous. Haha. <laughs> but Leia walks out and says that she won't be alone. Uh, Leia relieves herself of Supreme Chancellor duty and bestows Ooh. interim onto Holdo. So now she's just free balling. Nice. Uh, the, the two get into a ship and they head towards Canto Bight. Uh, Ray contacts Hux and tells him that she'll reveal the location of Luke if she can have her friends back. Snoke tells her to come land. Uh, Kylo screams in Ray's ear not to tell him, but she ignores him and lands. Ray and Leia enter the Red Throne Room where Snoke sits on his throne surrounded by the Red Guards. Uh, Poe, Rose, and Finn float helplessly in the center of the room, kind of like what uh, Snoke does to Rey in the actual movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Rey tells Snoke to let them go. Uh, Snoke counters, asking Rey for the information leading to Luke, which uh, she refuses. And when she refuses, Snoke force pushes Leia away into the wall and begins to do the force interrogation thing that Kylo was doing in Force Awakens okay. uh, on Rey while she's there. When he's close to getting information and Ray is about to break, uh, the door is blasted open and Kylo and the, the Knights of Ren barge in. Ooh. So Snoke drops Finn, Rose, and Poe, and uh, a huge fight starts. So the Knights of Ren fight the Red Guards and Kylo fights with Snoke. 
uh, Ray recovers and goes over to help Leia to her feet. So, uh, we get a fight similar to the throne room fight in the actual movie, except instead of uh, Kylo and Rey fighting, it is now the Knights of Ren fighting the Red Guards and Kylo fighting Snoke. So, the Knights and Guards exchange blows, and eventually Phasma defeats the guard she's fighting with with the help of her new mechanical arm, because she also <laughs> lost an arm <laughs> in Force Awakens. But she got a robot arm. She wasn't emo and decided that having two limbs is better than one. Um, she notices Finn groggily on the ground and makes a beeline for him. Finn dodges her strikes and looks around frantically for a weapon. He attempts pieces of shrapnel from the door, but all are knocked away by Phasma. When it looks like all is lost, Phasma has Finn backed into a corner. He looks behind her to see Poe and Rose getting to their feet. You were always my favorite, she says. Um, and Finn calls Poe, Rose, and asks them for help. Before Phasma can strike, she's shot in the back by Poe and knocked to the ground by Rose. Poe throws Finn uh, the blaster and Finn shoots her in the face with it. You were never mine, he says back. Whoa, oh, <laughs> just gets executed, damn. I decided to give her something cooler than just falling. So Leia tells Rey to get everyone to the ship and she leaves with Finn and Rose and Poe. Uh, Rey leaves with Finn, Rose, and Poe, uh, helping them back to their ship. And together with Kylo, uh, Leia fights Snoke. <clears throat> uh, so Snoke does not walk, but rather uh, he kind of floats Jeez. with his arms crossed. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't actually hold the lightsaber, it just floats around. Bro, him like, okay, okay. Fences with That's badass. <laughs> So the two are able to get the upper hand and get Snoke into disadvantage before he can scream, ENOUGH! And everyone in the room stops moving. And Snoke floats higher into the air. He lifts all the Knights of Ren, who have defeated the Red Guards and were coming to help Kylo, and ritualistically snaps yeah. all their necks at once. So he berates Kylo for leaving the First Order, calling him a coward and a traitor. And Ren says that bringing darkness to the world uh, does not create balance, and that light will always rise to counter him. He says that abusing the force will pull people in one direction or the other, and that these swings in emotion and power are dangerous to the galaxy. Snoke tries to pry Skywalker's location from Leia, but she resists. Snoke then says that he'll try Kylo, so Leia projects herself behind Snoke, similar to what Kylo was doing with Rey, like, uh, you can see her even though she's not actually there. Crying, she says that she'll always be proud of him before closing her eyes and smiling. Well Kylo, Kylo prepares to resist uh, Snoke's influence, but just before he does, Snoke sparks the lightsaber through Leia's <gasps> chest and kills her. Oh, so, um, she gasps and looks over at her son before fading away into Force ghostness. So Kylo is shocked and saddened, and Snoke immediately rips the location from his mind. General Hux, he says, begin travel to Exegol. Snoke casts Kylo across the room, slamming him into the wall. Rey gets back to the Resistance fleet in tears because she's felt Leia's departure and approaches Holdo. She explains wordlessly as John Williams slaps us with Han and Leia's theme for the last Whoa. time. And the movie ends with Rey, Poe, and Finn, now with a new mechanical arm because he's finished his character arc, descending to Exegol's surface in Benicio Del Toro's ship as Holdo and Chewbacca watch from the bridge on the fleet. Wait, wow. you say the movie ends there? Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. <laughs> what the f no, it can't <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> that was pretty sick. That was really <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Hope everybody had a great time and uh, hope you're enjoying this Star Wars sequel trilogy rewrite. That was Ryan's version of The Last Jedi and it features a great tune from Alex Kurilov Music. You can follow him on YouTube. And the artwork this week was done by Williamson Studio. So check them out on Instagram and on Etsy. Thanks for joining us as always, and we'll catch you next time uh, when we have the season finale of the final installment, which will be Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. 
thanks again and as always here are a couple snippets that we didn't put into the actual bulk of the episode but enjoy the vibes they have they can fly now <laughs> they fly, they fly now, now. the whole section no sorry you go ahead the supreme leader is dead ah, long live the supreme leader kylo me boy <laughs> <laughs> What was my whole point about this? Good question. Um, I forgot my point where I was going to with this, so we can move on to something else. Sure. <coughs> Sorry. Is it all out of the system? Oh, I've choked on the water. No, no, it's all good. Is it good? Yeah, here, we'll wait till you that get is. it all out. Okay. My butt's clenched a little, These dramatic pauses are too much. Come on. And when she refuses snork. Snork. <laughs> He rides a deer cat. Oh, it feels good to trash that town. Now it's worth it. When the deer cat goes to back with back to its herd, it's like oh. And then they're gonna get captured the next day. <laughs> yeah, because they literally do. <laughs> and then nothing comes of that entire segment. So who cares? Nice <laughs> character development. Uh, we already learned this in the first one. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> You were always scum. Rebel scum. And then just, she falls in and she just, no, she literally falls. Like, Matt. Finn's words kill her. <laughs> Destabilize the floor <laughs> he just her feet. Like, <laughs> hi. And he just smacks her in the face. Like, come on. There was nothing. There was nothing. He wasted it all on Chrome Dome. Like, speaking of disappearances. <laughs> I think Ryan just yeah, dropped out. Yeah, you see Ryan's clothing and glasses yeah, just come back. <laughs> and then they just come back off like... And he's like, oh, I'm back, guys. <laughs> oh, brother. This guy stinks. What the fuck? Praetorian guard. <laughs> 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 <laughs>